Rocking chair, chair session. With Elisa Di Batista. Maria Teresa Barber. Hello, everyone. And welcome to RCS Rocking Chair Sessions, Volume 76, with artist Oliver Sanchez. That's me. <laughs> Oliver Sanchez, the man from uh, behind Swamp Space and in Swamp Space, and um, also the man who has an exhibition up right now at the Miami Beach Regional Library. Beautiful show. You can see it from the outside also, but I would recommend you go inside when the library is open. And um, thank you so much for swinging, swinging by. Yes. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a privilege. <laughs> I have to say that I'm extremely comfortable after a long day. I am the man. I'm also the old man. And so to to provide this lovely chair that rocks, I don't know if it's technically a rocking chair, but it's adequate slider, for what we're doing. Slider chair. Slider chair, rocking chair. Thanks for being here. I, I, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're thrilled in to have you. In limited capacity. Yeah. <laughs> but also I think the fact that you've been um, such an important figure here in South Florida. You have Swamp Space, which is not just an exhibition space, it's also artist studios, correct? Well, uh, it's well, your it's studio. My studio. Your studio. Yes. Do you have other artists that participate? But if you need a place, we can talk. Um, no, Swamp Space is uh, it's, it's a curious thing. It just, it just sort of happened, and there's been three locations in the last 18 years. I accidentally ended up in the design district, uh, in fact, where it all started. I grew up 10 blocks from there, and uh, I left Miami in 79, uh, and I went around the world several times, living in New York, and then came back in 92. Yeah, came back to give back. But nobody's interested. Stop! Everybody's <laughs> well, interested. that's not true. You've been doing a lot of shows, tons of shows and parties. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's, it, you've just been like a constant figure in the scene. And um, I, not only, I did not just find one article about Oliver Sanchez. There are no, tons out there. No, I found several. By the way. Wait. By the way. Okay. You're the first and probably only artist that we're going to interview that has a page at the MoMA in New York. True. This because true. you were involved in an exhibition that they put out. This is true. Mm -hmm. uh, last year, uh, the MoMA, actually three years ago, they decided that they were going to research Club 57, which was really something like what Swamp Space is today. But Club 57 was a hole in the wall in the Lower East Side. It was populated by very, uh, questionable people like Keith Haring and Kenny Scharf and Jean-Michel Basquiat. My dear no wife of today it was the bartender and Magnuson. Uh, and so many people came through there. It was a, a social club of sorts uh, in the basement of a Polish church. This is all now the, uh, the, you know, the stuff of uh, MoMA. They uh, didn't know quite what they were getting into and it took them three years, the wow. film department, to research and archive uh, what we were doing then. Uh, and honestly, uh, you know, I don't live in the past. Mm -hmm. I absolutely live in the future, but I have great memories and people do look at me as a veteran of the East Village art scene. Um, so yeah. and. And so that show was really the highlight of a culmination of, you know, so many things and going there for the opening and, or, or rather, uh, before the opening, there was a lot of research and we had interviews, they did talk to a lot of people. So it becomes the official story of that time. Mm -hmm. There's a great interest in what happened there in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and leaving Miami in 79, what was the, the thing that told you like you have to go and you have to travel the world because growing up here in Miami I'm probably expecting that there wasn't that much of an art scene and and at that time there must have been with like the art center and stuff but not like Basel crazy with all these you know different fairs can you talk about that a little bit 
Well, the bakehouse was actually a place that made bread. <laughs> there was, uh, I, I saw the college get built, the downtown uh, you know, Miami-Dade. And after architecture school, I did study architecture there. Uh, and, and I saw Miami as, you know, for young people then, it really, there was a great allure of other places, mm -hmm. New York to be exact, I mean, and, and people who had really paved the way. So we were very interested, my brother and I, very interested in the Warhol scene and, and you know, the culture that was there. And, and so Miami really didn't have those things. It had other very interesting things, but we were young and ambitious and the world was our oyster. So, um, you know, today I tell young artists uh, for in Miami, that they're really, as it's, as it's changed so much through the years, you really don't have to leave. I encourage them to leave, and if they want to come back, great. But today, you don't have to leave. Back then, it was almost, it was a prerequisite. Like a to, mandatory, to yeah. absolute debauchery, <laughs> we had to leave. <laughs> but there was an art scene, and it's well documented, it was limited. Uh, is well documented in the Vasari project, mm -hmm. which is an archive yes. at the public library, and you know there was there's key individuals. Robert Chambers' mother yes. was a, a known person, and there was some gallerists and such. But in the most part, it yes, it was small. It was yeah. Robert Tilly was he probably uh, Tilly? Yeah, I would say he's of that time. So. While my brother and I were in New York, we hadn't been there very long. We had entered into uh, you know, the social circuit of, there was really many people. Uh, no one there was in a bubble. This was, I call it BC and AC, like before computers <laughs> and after computers. That's funny. You know, yeah, and so we had, uh, Actually, my art mom, it was uh, Marilyn Gottlieb Roberts. She was a professor at uh, the college. And that's where I learned some things about art history, you know, there. And, and she uh, suggested to Barbara Young, who was then the uh, librarian, the, in, you know, with the system, she handled all the art. And she invited us, the Sanchez brothers, to organize a show uh, for the public library so this current show is the second show. The first one was in 1984, wow. and we were really—I have to, you know, be honest—we were pretty wild back then. <laughs> and um, we organized a group show, which included Herring and and, and many others of, of that New York scene, and, I, and as well as uh, several Miami artists. Uh, and we brought the show down. We installed this outrageous uh, thing, which had many forms of uh, art, video, and fashion, and you know there was literature, of course. Uh, um, it was the last. It was to be the last show at the original main branch of the public library. So it was wow. a big auditorium, and so w here we had an opportunity to be rather. Um, severe about mm -hmm. what was happening there and because they were going to tear the building down it was the last show the so, last hurrah that's fine yes uh, the 1984 <laughs> library show so you went all out the, tag, the tagline was a, a pluralistic pleurisy it, it dealt with uh many things um but really it, it was the first uh, that i know it was the first exportation of the East Village art explosion that mm -hmm. was later, you know, subsequently recognized throughout the world as mm -hmm. a key uh, scene mm -hmm. uh, in the art history. So there you have it. Uh, people, obviously, the, the Herald was baffled and uh, you <laughs> How know, did people all the react? Others, they, like, what they, is they it? were absolutely clueless. They just said they, they, they couldn't understand quite what was happening there. <laughs> But you know, we had some heavy hitters. Zen Quan Chi, his work, and uh, gosh, I, you know, John Sachs, all these kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you got to New York, um, both you and your brother, what did you feel like entering the scene? Did you feel like you had to, um, like you said, enter certain circles? But did you like start fabricating? Did you guys grab a studio? 
um, eventually you guys opened up Studio 57. Like how, what did you feel you had to do to inject yourself in? Or would you just um, arrive and you're there? Well, you know, for, for two young men uh, with ex, uh, uh, my brother had great talent and, uh, and I was just there. Stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just a tag along. Are you the younger brother or the older brother? New, New York, uh, there's about six months. We were about six months apart. Aww. So we were very close. Irish twins. Yeah. Six months? How is that even possible? It's Cuban. There's something happens with the Cuban. <laughs> it's Cuban. The, uh, no. Cuban pregnancies are only like six months long. No, seriously. New York was could not be more depressed. Uh, you know, the, the, the federal, the government had abandoned it. It was the summer of the Son of Sam. So mm -hmm. it was, oh, no. Uh, and, and, but it was wonderful. There was the autonomy was just outrageous. And all our dreams and, and, and expectations of this, you know, New York that was also fabulous in so many ways. We lived in the Upper West Side. We found a decrepit, enormous apartment. It was three hundred dollars, <laughs> which God. was much more than what well, some of our friends were paying downtown. The rents downtown in these village were, you know, maybe a hundred dollars or so. The um, but you had, you know, the the bathtub was in the kitchen and the toilet was in the hallway and there was trees growing out of You're mattresses. Like, We're and, Florida. You know. We need a little normalcy. So we had an interesting perspective in that, you know, in it. To the extent that we were in this aquarium and you really can't see the fish doesn't know what water is exactly but uh, so we had a professional life which was you know you work about two days a, a month and <laughs> it pays for your bills but we were, we were commercial artists so i would go to uh, ad agencies mm -hmm. in madison avenue and sometimes we go downtown to wall street had gigs in wall street did a lot of multimedia work uh, Dolpho was an illustrator for many uh, publications, you know, Condé Nast and Essence Magazine and all this kind of stuff. So we had a circle of uh, professional artists, mm -hmm. whether they were graphic artists or, or illustrators, photographers. It was uh, from a time when generating art was a very different thing and yeah. publishing was different uh, thing as well, the, what you could or couldn't mm -hmm. do. Then you had the downtown scene. And if you talk to downtowners today, they will tell you that there was nothing beyond 14th Street. There was no reason to leave this wonderful, wild place that was downtown. And uh, but but we did. We we would you know we would venture the entire breadth or length and breadth of Manhattan, never beyond those borders. Sometimes the Bronx was wild, you know, Fashion Moda and the Ahern brothers were doing things up there. Um, so yeah, we, you know, our circle of friends were in the most part, uh, you know, artists, writers, poets, creative yeah. people. Uh, and, and we did enjoy some really exceptional years, uh, very fond memories, and then things you know, as, as some of our friends became recognized and, and successful, those were some changes, the ambitious. But really, the tipping point was the emergence of uh, the AIDS epidemic. That really mm -hmm. put a huge damper on things. And, and it didn't happen overnight. It just was this something that crept Gradually. up on us and, and was just devastating. Yeah. yeah. I know. Um, I think my first year in grad school, they had um, they had a lot of shows and exhibits about highlighting artists that had passed on during the AIDS epidemic because I feel like there there was an erasure that happened where it's like they're gone, they're forgotten, but they existed. So, um, could you tell us a little bit about how you feel now, like the recovery of that going forward? Do you, have you been to any of these retrospectives or like have heard of like these um, artists coming back to light or things like that? Like even well, yourself just recently, the, there's, a, there's a group uh, that's actually funded by the Herring Foundation, uh, which is, uh, you know, they, they give to uh, specific causes, children's health and AIDS. Uh, it's the Visual AIDS Project okay. has a mm -hmm. pretty strong presence. Uh, there was an uh, a, article in the New York Times that coincided with the uh, MoMA show, the Club 57 show. And they do have a, a very uh, thorough uh, archive of uh, artists' mm -hmm. work, visual, creative people. 
So you can go to that and see really the extent of the loss and, 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 and actually put a face to, to the names and uh, you know it's by no means no I, I equate it with other memorials and you know where people really you know pay respects to mm -hmm. to um, those who you know gave gave a lot so yeah that's there obviously there was key individuals uh, we were not in that Rock Hudson camp of deniability and stuff. Herring was a, a huge activist for other causes, but you know, clearly he became a, a very outspoken uh, activist uh, with regard to to this thing. Yeah. yeah, AIDS, and it's not gone. There's so we're no, not. it still exists. We're not, but, yeah. it's not over. Saying, yeah, yeah, it, there was, you know, the survivability. Uh, has been became, extended, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, that was the main thing, and so it's not by any means gone. Mm -hmm. you know? But I, I know when I lived in San Francisco and I heard people talk about that time, it was just like, that it was not that you just lost one friend or one brother, it was like a whole circle of friends that was just wiped out, so it, it changed definitely the mm -hmm. way you lived your life. It was not like in any way normal, right? I mean... We we maybe lose like if we lose like one close friend in our age or like two then that's a lot but at that time mm -hmm. it was just like the loss was True. just massive right? right it was just well myself uh, you know I could I lost thirty friends in in the course of five years yeah you know? so and it just sort of kept getting closer and closer and yeah so yeah you know I mean you, you, again one doesn't live in the past but yeah. these are the things that that make our character you remember and you carry them with you yes yeah. of course mm -hmm. it just the uh so there you have it mm -hmm. so 1982 mm -hmm. um andrew happened what 91 92 was 92? the andrew yeah andrew. we came so, down yeah here. you come back and sure. welcome home there's a hurricane sanchez is back <laughs> let's greet him well i had always been back mm -hmm. i come visit family and I brought uh, people, friends, Joey Arias and men. My w wife would come down. We would we would stay in these crazy hotels on Miami Beach, you know, which is completely just desolate. And uh, maybe be just and, so and different. So I, I brought uh, came with uh, Kenny Scharf mm -hmm. one year, and he absolutely fell in love with because he's a California boy, so mm -hmm. he liked it quite a lot. So like and, California, uh, yeah. And my wife, we were kind of like the Three Musketeers. I, I, I ran his studio, uh, men ran the office, and so we would always stop, uh, you know, and watch all my children and, and <laughs> have lunch and all this. Those were it's such uh, a great like office atmosphere. It was it was a uh, yeah occupational hazard. You know, you have to watch the soap operas. But uh, you know, good times. Uh, but then they kind of got this bonnet in their head. They, they, they really got the tropical bug. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to be the one to say, you know, yeah, let's do that. Because being from here, I didn't want to be the one to, to from, I don't sell swamp. Yeah. I do not sell swamp. If you want to come here, great. But uh, so they did it and we went through it. And, uh, and we ended up on South Beach, on Española Way. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was 92 to like 97 or something. Uh, so it was, the, it was the golden age of the, you know, South Beach. Revival kind of. Revival. Phenomenal. So that energy that we knew so well from the early 80s in the East Village, mm -hmm. it came with us. That's amazing. I didn't, we didn't bring it. It was here. It was here. Uh, by way of all the, you know, the, all the freaks were down there, the clubs were there, it was run down, uh, the derelicts, the, the old retirees Affordable. were there, mm -hmm. the beautiful deco, the beautiful water, Lincoln Road was a ghost town, but there was, there was so much going on and we were really happy to be a part of that. Um, and so yeah, that's how we ended up back here. Uh, I will say that, uh, 
Andrew was uh, quite the welcoming committee, <laughs> you know. And for uh, for men who was nine months pregnant, you oh, know, and not really goodness. knowing what to expect, because uh, they're like the gringos, you yeah, know. They of course. Bring they them down no here. Like, they're, they're like, oh, we love, we like the fruits and. Yeah. Palm trees are so pretty, and, and it's so like hurricane season, yeah. and then they're like, what is this? And you're like, it's part of that? So we're watching. <laughs> and so we're trying to decide what to do. You know, we need a plan. And uh, and so I said, you know, we'll, we'll go to my grandmother's house. And uh, so we're at, we went to my 90-year-old 90, grandmother and uh, with the cat and the pregnant thing. And uh, and watching TV, and they're telling you to, the, you know, they're out of plywood, and and they're you have to board up and get cans of yes. everything, and and Water. my grandmother is opening up all the windows, she's opening the windows, opening the doors, and and Min was like, what's going on here? You know, cats under the bed, and like you know, I got the, the, this precious cargo, and. Uh, <laughs> And so she was like, no, because that, you know, that's the way we used to do it. You, you have to equalize the pressure. And we absolutely got through it, no problem, um, without incident. Uh, and then the next day... Uh, what do you mean, equalize the pressure? You left the doors and windows <laughs> open during the hurricane? You know, you might want to try it next time. You leave them ajar. You leave sometimes slightly ajar. We don't leave them fully open, but like slightly ajar. Oh yeah. my yes. god. That's a Cuban grandma, the right? The sky was green and sure. Yeah. Wow. They know. They know. They know. They've they been know. through this so many times, oh, yeah. right? That is so sure. funny. And what schools did you go to, I may ask, growing up locally? Here? Schools, yeah. Okay, I, I well, I went to uh, Morningside. Okay. No, Chatillon, Morningside, um, Jason Church downtown. There was a nun school. Um, I went to Edison. Cool. That's my alma mater, Edison. But I also went to Miami High, South Miami, and there may be others. I Lindsey Hopkins Adult Education. Wait, how do you get so many schools in here? Like, I have like two yeah, schools. You, you proved that you're a local. I'm like, okay, cool. Edison, morning. Oh, he knows what you're talking about. You by mentioned. The way. Well, I went through the public Kinlock. school system I too. Kenlock is Kinlock, Ninth grade. You mentioned nuns. I don't want to talk school. about that. No, here. it's okay. That's it's cool. <laughs> but you mentioned nuns, and the pre the preview for the image that we utilized. Well, that was a good segue. Has, um, non-smoking, oh, yes. which is curious because I think everybody thinks of certain people being in some positions and kind of like being beyond human, and I feel like it makes them so human-like, you know? And this I enjoyed is the it. Howard Stern but moment it was, because no, but it was kind of like I know there's a photograph, but I saw that I was like, why not? Like they they have a right to live or choose to end themselves or whatever, you know? They have what? freedom. Well, smoking, lung cancer, oh, like themselves. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yes, please continue. <laughs> That's really dark. Okay, but that painting is part of a series that I wanted to paint because I'd never had an opportunity. Uh, I, you know, I had the opportunity, but when you're surrounded by, you know, these amazing painters, you're not going to paint. I, I made frames and I need something else, you know, because it was like, wow. But uh, so then I found myself alone. Kenny uh, moved to L.A. for uh, some good reasons, uh, pursuing animation uh, cool. deals and this and that. And he had aging parents. So after all this time, suddenly I'm just by myself and I want to paint. And, uh, and I started, I did a search, the internet was relatively new, I did a search, it was uh, romantic nostalgia. And, and I brought all these, I got all these pictures from, mostly from Getty archives and mm -hmm. this and that. And so that's, the nuns is, uh, they're, they're actors, okay? Oh. They're taking a break, they're, they're actors in a movie, and the caption read, uh, truly the light is sweet, right? <laughs> Uh, and I thought, oh, what a great picture, because I, I thought, you know, they, it, it was a... So referencing amazing photos that are kind of lost in obscurity, whether, you know, the lighting and so many things, composition, mm -hmm. the topic or whatever, I thought, you know, I don't need to improve on this source material. I just want to make a painting in one day, right? So I'm That's not going to spend challenge. time, like, you know, uh, 
I just thought, let me just express this thing in a humorous, uh, beautiful, hopefully socially relevant way, because those are the things that are important to me in, in, in any art. Uh, and so the, <laughs> the nuns, there's, there, uh, if you look carefully, there's the, the four tones of sepia, or, or you know, burnt, the, their names that I gave them is Sister Burnt Sienna, Sister Raw Umber, then there's Ahmadinejad, if you look at the one in white, she looks like the, the what's his name from, <laughs> that was in the news, and uh, Raw Umber or whatever. And that's it. And you know what's funny? It's a popular painting. It, it, it did appear uh, in the what do you that ugh, the Ocean Drive. Oh yeah, I remember that article. Yeah. And uh, and it's in the collection of uh, Typo. Typo has that painting hanging in his. I don't even want to know where it's hanging. <laughs> but God bless him. He's, he's he's he understands you know, what we're doing here. It's so funny. Yeah. Is the burnt sienna the one furthest to the left? Is that the burnt sienna? Maybe. They're interchangeable. It's in there somewhere. They're yeah. in there. It's so funny. But and they were done in one day, and there's a dozen or so of those. Oh. Actually, you know what? Let me make a correction. It was not part of the of the romantic nostalgia search. It was. It precedes that. The romantic paintings are something else. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. But I, I thought it was so interesting that uh, Elisa chose uh, a painting, and is that... So if you could have chosen whatever for your own artwork, is that what you would have done all yeah, the time? Would it... Because I see you so much as a, as a sculptor, you yeah. know, you... Three-dimensional. But you, you always... Like in the exhibition we were together at the Little Haiti Culture Center, that was also a painting you had in there. From that, from that series, from yes. From that same series, yes. right? Is that how you identify your, like yourself as an artist? That is like, that is where you feel like you're most yourself in the art, in the mm. paintings? Or what, what, how would you describe that? Like your own artistic well, practice? paintings, yeah. I mean, the paintings take up less, less space than, than 3D things. That's true. Mm -hmm. It is um, a very pure form. I, I never, I thought, I never considered art or painting to like be irrelevant. You know, when people say, "Oh, you know," and now it's back, and it's, now it's important again. It could never be unimportant. Unimportant. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so that was uh, Saul Epstein from the 1920s, the one you you, you mentioned, and mm -hmm. he was a sculptor, a sculptor who, uh, you know, was just shocking in his time because he painted these, these stylized nudes. And mm -hmm. at that time, you know, the establishment didn't take too kindly to that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, there's an element of, I, I don't, with, okay, so if I had to choose uh, something, a, you know, an alternative to that, yeah. I would be hard pressed because really anything is fine. Uh, more so than that, I have always been, uh, and not consciously, but today maybe more conscious. You know, I'm, I'm not real controlly of the message mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. other people are, mm -hmm. and and controlling of information and and this and that. I think we're in a time now where we are seeing the ill effects of, of these things. Uh, I believe in transparency, openness, vulnerability, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Mm -hmm. So when someone, uh, you know, you pick a photo, uh, I, I may have my opinion of it, but I love it. It was the, absolutely the right choice. It just made when, me laugh. I don't know. Yeah. And then I see all these pictures of you smiling, and I was like, this <laughs> doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Because art needs to be funny. I, the, the seriousness just really brings me down, mm -hmm. you know, and the sort of academic rigor and all the people just twist themselves into a pretzel to justify or explain or find meaning in a, a, a stick in a bucket. I don't, I'm, I don't really ascribe to that. I understand it and I appreciate it. 
but uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to see painting take it back its rightful place in, in art history. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the series of, there are paintings, but there are also sculptures that you have in the library <laughs> coming like full circle okay. from the first library well, show. Yes. <laughs> you, you probably, uh, I mean, you, we're talking about two rather uh, complex sculptures uh, that came about as a result of the location, but also once I started to fine tune really the, the nature of the show, uh, it was the, the, the departure point was a book that my auntie wrote. She's now a very old lady and it's about, it's called The Disappointments mm. or The Disenchantment. And uh, that was the name of one of our dairy farms in Cuba. It was, it was called Los Desengaños. And so this what is the story name. of, of uh, <laughs> oh. and the name came with the place, mm -hmm. you know, from several generations back, and they kept it. So I, I was really looking at the disappointment, disenchantment, disillusion, really things that uh, are unavoidable mm -hmm. in life. Uh, the longer you can avoid them, the better, uh, but they make one's life more complete. Our, mm -hmm. our journey here without these things uh, and with that said I'm not a big fan of suffering and I don't I honestly don't feel that we're here to contemplate and 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 put off the joys of you know walking on earth and eating and you know having fun and doing dumb things and and all this so but uh, the sculptures okay so the paintings is uh, I'm revisiting a set of paintings uh, of my brothers uh, that he did in Mexico on a artist residency in Tepoztlan in 1987, mm. and they were inspired by Mexican comic books uh, by the name of The Valley of Tears, mm -hmm. and they're these just tawdry photo uh, comic stories that people read like religion they're glued to these storylines because they're so they're soap operas of all our lower base PC things yeah not PC at all um, and so the Valley of Tears uh, dovetailed well with the book the uh, sculptures that you're referring to are uh, that you know they give visitors pause mm -hmm. because uh, they're um, there are two coins, two pop coins, oversized carvings of like. the Lincoln penny mm -hmm. and the Kennedy silver dollar. Uh, and I thought, well, I don't want to compete with the paintings because they're so cool. And you know, I bring them out every 10 years and it's a whole new audience for them. It's, it's new to them. Yeah. The sculptures are new. They, uh, they have, <laughs> they're casual. But then uh, a, a sculptor friend came by as I was making them, and they're made. I made them with the interns. I make a lot of stuff w with the kids, and I'm able to, you know, convey uh, methods and things. And, and teach. So if they're a little off, it's because the, you know they have this this hand of the of the novice. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, a pretty uh, respected sculptor was there and he said oh I the coins the the shapes were uh, repurposed from a commercial job so I had these big discs that they had a hole in the middle right smack dab in the middle which I was I, I thought to just fly over you know and not use but he said oh I love the bullet holes <laughs> and I was like what <laughs> oh the bullet holes you know because those two guys it didn't end well for them and I was like, yeah, oh, you're right. You're like an added layer. It was the added layer. You've and it was the really the, yes. the, the, the frosting on the cake. Yes. And as these two precedents, uh, uh, the Lincoln Penny faces one way like, and the other one. They uh, face each they other. Face they face each, each other. They face each other. You have this Zen-like center. And from those centers, there's a, a, a sort of like a flow, a, a sculptural flow of, uh, you know, so they're exuding these really melancholy shapes. 
Mr. that looks. cascade down into uh, the drawers of the furniture. Mm -hmm. and, and so the coins are propped on uh, furniture, and they're appropriate furniture. One is uh, sort of like, you know, George Washington's desk. It's an old early American piece. The other one is uh, like, a, what do you call it, the sideboard from... Like 1950s the, or something. Yeah, 1950s, <laughs> sort of. And so one has this very feminine pink drip which invokes, uh, you know, Marilyn, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the other one is a green drip, which sort of invokes the tarnish or the patina of copper. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they're, they're just, I don't know. They're odd pieces. The third sculptural piece is uh, they're uh, virgin styrofoam carvings of uh, books mm -hmm. uh, stacked in as a totems. And those are uh, meant to, you know, convey the obsolescence of uh, conventional print. Uh, they're cartoonish books, which, um, you know, render. It's the assumption of, you know, this the the change in uh, how we store and convey information. Mm -hmm. Books are. Books are weapons, uh, without a doubt. Mm. Uh, but you know, we kind of, sort of moved on from this thing. I know. Yes and no. Yes mm -hmm. and no. And then you you do have a lot of um, paper records also from are they from back in the day, like on the wall and lined on the mm -hmm. table. Can you talk a little bit about that? I am. Pleased to talk about it. Let me see if I can make a word picture uh, of these things. They're, they're autobiographical photographs, uh, and yeah, it's all. Mm -hmm. They're photos of, of my family history. Mm -hmm. So you know, I've got it's it's uh, the auntie that wrote the book, um, and they're they're montage. The the photos are you know if if you don't if you look at old photos. Uh, and you see uh, people, you know, clearly that's someone's family. But when you don't know who they are, uh, you have, a, there's a different uh, connection yeah. to uh, old pictures. Uh, you can start to maybe piece together, well, that's somebody's family, you know, coming mm -hmm. from through Ellis Island or, or whatever it may be. Uh, the the photos are superimposed on uh, uh, letters uh, handwritten in script by uh, my great great uncle, who Bernabe Sanchez is the grandfather of Emilio Sanchez, the painter. Mm -hmm. They were probably not very nice people because they were extremely uh, business minded and and. and um, and so the letters are um, business and personal, but they were, they were, it, it, there was these books back then in the late 1800s, say, where you could write a letter, keep a copy. Oh, so his, the carbon copy. Uh, yeah, the books uh, was uh, a cousin, Jean-Paul Rathbone, is also a writer, and he's a... Uh, he writes for the Financial Times. You know, he's an economist, but he also wrote uh, a few years ago the uh, story of Julio Lobo, the 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 last great sugar baron of Cuba. You know, so I come from that world in a weird way. Um, we, you know, there's a, and so the letters are you can you can barely read them, I and mean, people can't read or write script today but they are beautiful mm -hmm. and they're incredibly romantic and and I love all the stains uh, that have appeared in time and all this so it's kind of like wallpaper it, but, yeah, it but there's, like there's also there's layers of autobiography in there in yeah. history yeah and there's another side to this show which is deals with assimilation mm -hmm. um, or the lack of assimilation today there's a lot of uh, anti-assimilation of sorts. It, um, it, the the notion that, um, like you know, 
today there's a there's a not today but there's always been a, a great push towards this sort of uh, you know we're all Americans now mm -hmm. and, and you're here now and yeah. this and that um, yeah by the way my great-grandfather is buried in Brooklyn my grandfather went to Lehigh so you know we we had uh, Thanksgiving in, in Kamaway and all this kind of stuff <laughs> but and and they would come to Miami and this and that. By the way, they would come to Miami, um, sometimes by boat or something, you know, Key West, and you could stay downtown by the park, you walk across the street and you get on a train and you can go all the way to New York. So, you know. <laughs> it was incredible, yeah. Those were good times. Uh -huh. It was good times for them that ended very abruptly, you know. It really, everything just absolutely fell apart. Is that when um, your family crossed over and came to the States? They were always back and forth. It was always a little bit of both. But there was that one time where you just left and you didn't go back. Yeah. You know. Maybe you had the feeling that that's not going to... Right around 1960. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do like, I wanted to ask... Do you decide, like, when you're installing, like, for example, the show at the library, like, you decided where things go and you layered them yourself? Like, it's your voice, like, you envisioned where you wanted things to be placed? Absolutely. Incredible. Cool. And to their credit, the the good people at the library, Oscar Fuentes, who... Oh, he's great, you yeah. know, He really uh, was very supportive, not the least bit, uh, you know, Sort of steering mm -hmm. things in any direction. On the contrary, I was terrible at telling them what to do or what <laughs> I was about to do because I had no idea what I was mm -hmm. going to do. And uh, so I was really talking in much broader terms and they were really okay with that and I really appreciate it. It's not a commercial venture. It is personal. Uh, but I also wanted, w would like to... Uh, okay, so... When we so we did the show, and Oscar said, "You know, there was there was a higher up mm -hmm. in the bureaucracy of, of things that uh, took great uh, pause with the coins because they said, you know, they might upset some people." And uh, and Oscar said, "Well, that's I understand that, but that's just not your department. That's my department. I." decide what he put in the oh, show. Oh, that's awesome. He was really great. Wow. So I thought that was quite that's good. That's great. Yeah. And, and also so, it's art, you know, like it, it is. And it should it's, have it, a there's, uh, it's important that art have a relevance, a social relevance. Mm -hmm. There's no real uh, clear message here. I just want people to understand and that it's, a life is full of disappointment. Yeah. But I, I like how it's autobiographical because now that you say, like, you know, you moved here and then this, like, this notion, like, in the before, was, like, assimilate, um, become American, speak English, and then it's, like, it has that, that dosage of both. Like, it has the, the, the letters from what once was, you know, in Cuba, and then it has, like, the coins that are so American, and it's, like, they're dripping, so it's kind of like this, you know, both, both worlds, travel back and forth. Yeah. And it's a world that seems to be repeating itself over and over. So the disappointments that my family faced, other people are facing today. And I would like that to not be the case. Of course. So, you know, when someone says, oh, you know, everybody has a story and this and that. Well, I would like people's stories to be a little more pleasing and soothing. It, it just breaks my heart to see happy, people... Yeah. Uh, you know, continually displaced and, yeah. and driven from everything they know and, and love. It, there's, it's, there's, there aren't, it's, it's explainable, but it's not, um, it's, it's unacceptable. We need to stop doing that and, you know, by creating and, and uh, you know, turmoil and, and these things. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you have a question later? Because I know it. Okay. I wanted to ask about um, Swamp Space. So um, your friend moves out to California. You start, I want to paint. You start painting. When, did, when was Swamp Space born? The first of the three, of the okay. second, and through the journey. Yeah. That's a very good question. There, and I, 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 I want to be, be brief, but I want to hit certain points. 
there uh, Swamp Space uh, it came out of uh, a small community of artists that uh, like Craig Robbins um, you know helped so we were in the design district there was the boys Baxter and Arsham and and, and others were over here. The girls were around the corner. It was, uh, you know, Wendy Wisher and, and Francis and, and uh, Christina Lay and, and such. Um, Ernest Bass was, uh, was nearby. And these old buildings were really pretty decrepit. They were, I mean, there was, they were really obsolete and old. But, we were very grateful to have that. It was a wonderful time, really a very special time. Uh, and they were at one point, maybe like storefronts or something, there might have been. And I saw this opportunity to create, really the first one space was just a matchbox space in the front of my studio. Because, you know, <laughs> we're busy doing other things. And I thought, well, what could be better? We had, um, and then that brought, uh, you know, Locust Projects moved in next door, and Spinello opened up a commercial gallery, and and then Dimensions Variable came along. But the original Swamp Space uh, really also it came out of an idea uh, that coincided with the first Design Miami or the second one. It was across the street. Mm -hmm. We had this enormous uh, field that was called Palm Court. <laughs> and it, was, it had an agricultural exemption. So if you plant palms, and then, you know, you yeah, just... Great. So we had this phenomenal thing, and, and I couldn't, you know, just really blessed to have that. So I created uh, uh, an installation called the Bordello Bodega. And the Bordello Bodega was inspired by a book on Cuban music by uh, Ned Sablet, a friend, uh, a historian, a professor, and a musicologist. Uh, and I was reading his book, it had just been published, and he talked about the allure of faraway port towns through history, from the Iberian Peninsula to now. And really the biggest draw, I, I learned that uh, Basel and the sister, you know, was really very much, and Basel was still very early on, but Part of the draw was really the party and the brown sugar and all this kind of stuff that has lured mariners, you know, throughout the ages. So the Bordello Bodega came from that. I sold aspirins and <laughs> and, and we made uh, empanadas and oh, shots of rum and you know a lot of people came through. So that next year uh, we started Swamp Space. And you've got 80 shows, well, so do we. We've got 80 shows through the years. Uh, and uh, not having commercial constraints um, made it uh, a lot easier and a lot more fun. We had student shows. We had, you know, uh, just all manner of things, performance, mm -hmm. uh, lots of uh, unusual Art happenings. But once again, supporting and infusing yourself in the community you're in, which is why I'm glad that you're still doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, I may not have intentionally set out to give back, but it is a way of giving back. And it is also a place where, um, you know, a lot of the current terminology, popular terminology, uh, the overlooked and the underserved and all these kind of things that we see a lot of uh, used uh, or, or the, um, you know, th these were things that were always important to me. Mm -hmm. So we had some big names, but we had some not so big names. I, we show art sometimes that I really don't like, but there's other factors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. A yeah. little bit of everything. I'm curious to know, you mentioned students before. I know Maria wants to ask your last question, but I'm like, well, we have you in the chair. I mean, I'm not going to let you go. Um, you mentioned um, the novice. I know. I could be here for five hours. Um, you mentioned the novice. Do you teach classes? Do you take interns and show them about, like, sculpture and et cetera? Um, I don't solicit or recruit kids. They come to me. 
like the Pied Piper, they just, I don't know, sometimes they're well informed, sometimes they're completely misinformed, but in the most part, it's a, it's a collaboration with uh, Design Architecture Senior High. Cool. Uh, so they just hear about it, and I get all kinds of kids um, through the years, three or four at the most, sometimes one, and uh, they're great to have around. I learn from them. They learn, you know, how to make coffee and stuff. <laughs> More than that, I'm sure. Okay, It's Marie. been a great experience, and, you know. Oh, thank you. Oh, Maria has one last question. One final she, question. She's been anxious, um, I can tell. <laughs> You've been sitting in a magical rocking chair. It grants you three wishes, but you have to say them out loud for them to come true. Three wishes. Three wishes. What are your three wishes? Can one of them be all the wishes I want? Yes. No. No, no. We had that before. We had that, of course. That's the obvious. Okay. But nobody's requested that in a while. So you have an indefinite wishes. What will you do with your indefinite wishes? At least hear three out. Let you us you tell us three. Three wishes. Whatever, and you can wish for anything. Wow. Okay, so, uh, wow. Um, one would be, um, you know, and this is one. It's peace, love, and happiness. Uh, That's one, right? I would wish. like to, uh, you know, really just spread that uh, as far and wide as if, if there is a message. Uh, I would like to share um, contentedness. I think that a lot of people today, including myself, find themselves, uh, you know, uh, anxious and, and uh, unsure about things and uh, maybe a little angry. Uh, but contentedness is uh, something that I wish I had a little more of still. <laughs> and, and others, That's you know. One. <laughs> yeah. And number three? Oh, three. There's one more. <clears throat> the, okay, the third wish would be... If I could get my waistline back, I would be really <laughs> happy about that. Because, you know, it was good for a long time. Well, but now, I mean, oh. you are back in Miami. It's kind of hard to pass up, you know, a lot of the good Dear Lord, food. give me my waistline back. So my... It's going to happen. Because you started a happen. magical rocking chair. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for oh sitting down with us for session 76. Thank you so Oliver. much. And if Oliver. you're interested, check out Swamp Space. We're going to be connecting your website to ours. And do you have, when's your next event? The next event is actually in November. Okay, cool. We've got something that coincides with uh, with uh, a group that's doing a summit here. Yeah. And uh, and so it's um, Alessandro Modofi. It's political because okay. we have a you know the elections coming up. So it's yeah, Alessandro well. Modofi and mm -hmm. David Rohn who are uh, politically charged uh, artists. Their work and so yeah, we're doing that for November. Yeah. So check them out. That's November. That's exciting. Wonderful. Okay, thank Alrighty. you. Good night, everybody, and Thanks we'll see you next week for, for session 77. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Good night. Adios.